Hello and welcome to Lockdown Marlins, it's your daily Marlins podcast from the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. Guys, this is part two of the stunning conversation with Lockdown Marlins OG Aram Layden. No better place to start than with Sixto Sanchez. Let's get into it. One pitching prospect name that for me is very topical and I'd, I'd love to get your take on him. And, you know, he is still a prospect, but Sixto Sanchez, like, where where are you at with Sixto right now with the Marlins? How is this all going to play out? You know, he's going to get every opportunity, I think, once he's, once he's shown that he is healthy and on the progression that he needed to be on in terms of throwing, right? They're not going to be like, oh, he's not throwing from 60 feet, but you're on the mound in two weeks. Like, he's going to have to show that he can hit each progression. And I know there was – that was like the weirdest story of the year was mm-hmm. like Sixto is throwing from 40 feet. Now he's still at 40 feet. Now he's – still at 40 feet and we're just like what's going on um and you know I, and i think you know craig kind of clued into that in the end of the last episode and look I, this is something that i i know i had mentioned in some episodes way back about some of the things that i had heard about you know just the way he he carries himself within the org and uh, some of the vibe that he he has and i guess the perspective on him is that you know he might not be the hardest worker in the room and maybe he needs a fire lit under him a little bit but you'd think at this point he would have had that right like he showed up overweight and out of shape to uh spring training in 2020 and then you know now he's had these recurring arm issues and uh you know not all arm injuries are preventable but you wonder if you have a questionable work ethic you know how much of this could have been at least somewhat avoidable and yeah, that's where I'm a little bit concerned long-term. The talent is otherworldly. We know that. Um, and, and look, if, if he can stay on the field, uh, this Marlins rotation is, is a joke. It's an absolute joke. So to, to answer your question more directly, like I, I have very legitimate concerns about his ability to stay on the field, um, but I think he's going to get every opportunity once, if, if he is available and if he is healthy, uh, whether it is uh, spot starting and leading him in there, or whether it is, you know, slowly rolling him in and in a middle relief role and ramping up his workload or starting him in triple a and working his load up again. But I mean, the only issue that I could see is if Max Meyer is just shoving and shows that he's big league ready, then, you know, if that guy keeps grinding, how are you going to justify keeping six up there who keeps, you know, hitting the IL and, you know, isn't pitching to the best of his performance. Like I think he's going to get a shot, but he could lose it quickly. I think it's kind of, kind of my, my vibe on that. Yeah. Well, this is a, I feel like a perfect segue. One of the other questions we had from uh, Alan Witts uh, was, it was two questions, but one of them was what your projection would be for the starting, like, listen, if the season started now or when we know it is knowing what we know now and who's on the roster, who's the starting five in the rotation for the Marlins. Obviously we know Sandy's locked in as opening day starter, but Who's the next four after Sandy? There's so many options. There are so many <laughs> options, Peter. Like it's unreal. You yeah. could probably do like several episodes on this alone. I mean, you got, you got, I think the Sandy Trevor duo is going to be, and I, I'm really excited to revisit this, you know, at the end of next year, mm. I think Sandy and Trevor in terms of almost every pitching category combined, as long as they're healthy, will be as good as almost any duo in baseball. I, I yeah. really think they will be up there with just about, any uh, like top five duos and then not to mention Pablo number three so like those three you can lock in uh 
where it gets interesting is, is four and five. And then, you know, from there, I think what we realized too uh, last year was, and we had a similar conversation last year, like where does Nidert fit in? Where do some of these other guys fit in? And then all of a sudden we're rolling with a three-man rotation for like most of the season. So the, the starting pitching depth is, is very important, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could have five incredible starters, but if you have nobody else outside of that, then you're only as good as, as your fifth guy every fifth day. Right. I think that you get out of probably throw Edward right into that as well. And he might struggle a little bit out of the gate. Like we saw some hot and cold with him last year, but what are you going to, are you going to put him in triple a again? Like what, what else does Edward Cabrera need to show you? Like he's going to have to be the guy in the rotation as well. Uh, for me, that's another guy that I think has to be in there in the fourth slot. So at this point, you're looking at Eliezer Hernandez or Jesus Lazardo or Max Meyer or Sixto for that fifth spot. I would let them battle it out. I would let them battle it out. My personal preference, I would like to see how Jesus Lazardo does early on. Mm-hmm. If he struggles, then you move him to the bullpen and you swap Eliezer from the bullpen into the rotation. I think Eliezer, people say, you know, oh, he didn't have as much success before in the bullpen. He didn't have as much success, period, as a pitcher and then put it together. I think if he goes back to the bullpen with that slider, his fastball play up a little bit, I think he'll be effective in the bullpen. And this is a guy with serious injury risk and injury history. Wouldn't be the worst thing to move him to the pen. And now that satisfies uh, at least one of the spots back there. And you know you can stretch him out if you really need to. And you know when you have injuries and you have a stupid three-man rotation again. You don't have to go call somebody random up and you can throw Eliezer back in there to make those spot starts. I would rather see Lizardo given his upside. Um, so my five, I would like to see, and this is presu- like assuming that six toes is just not going to be ready uh, at spring, at, at, you know, opening day. Uh, but, you know, let's say six toes ready. I'm sure he's going to get those rehab starts in AAA. And if everybody's humming in the rotation, sorry, six toe. Like I think the Marlins have to look to move him at that point. But if Lizardo's struggling or somebody else gets hurt, then that's when you see Sixto get a shot again. But I'm going Sandy, Trevor, Pablo, Edward, and then Lizardo. Is that's the five I, I want to see. If Edward or Lizardo struggle, you've got Eliezer ready to go. Uh, you've got a few other guys ready to go. Hopefully at that point, Sixto ready to go. Uh, that to me is is the the best way uh, I think they should go about it. It's a sexy, sexy lineup of names. Isn't that, isn't that crazy, man? Like that's going to be every day. Like whether you're watching an ace like Sandy or just a, you know, ace in the making like Trevor or just someone we love to watch because he's just infectiously fun and and happy like Pablo or just the future with Edward and Jesus with just magical stuff. Every single day is somebody that you're like, oh, this is fun to watch. Yeah. Right. Like how many teams can say that? it's it's really special uh, and i hope fans kind of start to to realize that the offense not as much yet but you know you got to start somewhere all right guys here we go us ads with a british twist starting with my my boys at built bar absolute studs over a built bar holiday season it is the holiday season let's grab that protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar a built bar filled with so much holiday goodness rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. Delicious and healthy. So, so many flavors. You'll just have a hard time choosing which one to go with. Will it be raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie? 
give me that peanut butter brownie. Absolutely. Head on over to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. Get in there. 15% off at built.com. LOCKED15. Peanut butter brownie built bars. Sign me up. <laughs> the offense needs some work for sure. I'm, <laughs> I think that's that's a fair assessment. But you drop in Avi Garcia, Jesus Sanchez in the corners. You drop in Cedric Mullins there. Um, you know, whoever's at third base, that'll be what it'll be. Well, actually, let me get your take on that. What, what do you see the future holding for Brian Anderson now with this Wendell move? I, I think that's really intriguing uh, as a, a storyline for the next few months. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love the Wendell move for a lot of reasons, you know, and it, it does hurt to see Meisner go. But I, I love it for a couple reasons. Who were arguably on, on, on the defensive side of things? The two most injury-prone guys last year. You know, I, I would say it was Brian Anderson and it was and it was Hazy, or and it was Jazz Chisel, right? Yeah, it was. And and those are that's Joey Wendell's two spots, right? So people are like, oh, why are you giving up Meisner for a guy who might not start? He might not start every game, Wendell, but I can promise you by season's end, he's got 450 plate appearances. Yeah. Because he can play both corner outfields. He's gonna be the first bat off the bench. He's gonna be a late game defensive replacement, and guys are gonna miss time. And I think the Marlins are going to really try to manage the, the workload of Brian Anderson coming back. And I think they're going to manage the workload of Jazz a little bit too. And I know you're probably saying, oh, he's a younger guy, like let him run. No, they, they need to manage his workload. That's what the Giants did with their older guys. And I think that's what they're going to do here. Hell, they might even do it a little bit with Rojas as well as he continues to get closer to 35 years old, right? Like this is the first time we kind of saw him be a little bit vulnerable. And it was a little bit of fluky injuries, but like you want to keep, you want to keep him fresh as well. Wendell allows you to just give everybody a day off whenever, and you can just plug him in there. Not to mention the bat to ball skills, the athleticism that he brings, um, just, just a good high floor guy that you know is going to just give you some competitive ABs day in and day out. Considering what the drop-off was before, yeah. you know, where we're seeing guys, and, and no offense, but I mean, we're seeing guys like Joe Panic get hundreds and hundreds of at-bats, right? We're seeing Isan Diaz. Those guys combined for, I think, a negative three war, right? Like, now you're getting a Wendell that's going to give you positive war and you're not going to have this massive drop off when somebody, you know, inevitably gets hurt. Yeah. I just think that's so valuable. Uh, but to, to answer the Brian Anderson future, look, I want to give him one more chance, you know, this coming year. And I kind of want to see what happens, but this is a pretty light hitting offense, right? And third base is one of the most premium offensive positions there is. Yes, Brian Anderson is a superb defender. And if this was a team like the Yankees, right, that's loaded on offense, you can take the defensive-minded third baseman who's going to run into some baseballs and say, okay, yeah, that's fine. He's giving us value. Yeah. Uh, but when you're the Marlins, you need offense at those premium spots. You need a first baseman that's slugging, and you need a third baseman that's slugging, especially if your outfield is a little bit of a question. Uh, and your middle infield, like, let's be real. I mean, Rojas is not – going to be the most slugging shortstop out there and shortstops become a power spot too. look at all the yes. best shortstops in the game. They hit bombs and second base jazz has that upside, but if he's not quite tapping into it, totally, you're giving up a lot of offense in the infield. Uh, third base is a power spot. And if Anderson's not giving that to you, you're giving up a lot offensively. So I, I want to see him healthy and see how it goes because we know he can hit 30 home runs. seems like he's finally on his way to doing it. And then he doesn't quite get there. We know what he can do defensively. We know that he can play corner outfield in a pinch too. I wouldn't mind seeing him in like a KB type of role, Chris Bryant type of role mm -hmm. a little bit more. That might help. Uh, but down the line, 
you might need to be looking at other options. I think at third base, if Anderson can't stay healthy this year, I think they give him one more year. I think they give him one more year, but there's a reason why they were a little hesitant to commit to him. And I was always saying pay BA, pay BA, but now we see these injury concerns and look, he's, he's not 25, right? He's, he's 29. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think the clock's ticking a little bit there. And that's a really important position where they don't have many contingency plans in the system, right? Like they don't, that's the thing too. Uh, so, so what's, what's your plan B Marlins? You know, what, what are you going to do? And, and I think that's something that I'm sure they're talking about internally. Well, there's a, there's a really intriguing name out there that I've been hoping, wishing, but I saw an article. I think it might've been your article. Uh, maybe last week talking about the Cleveland guardians and the fact yeah. that they, they, I always sense the thought, okay, they're in cell mode. And actually your article was more along the lines of actually, do you know what? They're almost approaching ready. There's a lot of prospects coming through. So just kind of quickly summarize for those. Yeah, who thanks read it. What thanks for reading that. To? Are they selling Ramirez? Is, is Ramirez available? It's so funny you bring that up, man, because thank you for reading that, by the way. So that was over at JustBaseball.com. And it, it was funny because on the Just Baseball show, you know, it's 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 dead time. We're, we're speculating. That's all we can do right now. Just like, you know, you are talking about, like, what, what's going on with the fish on the other side of the lockout. And we're talking about, you know, the biggest possible trade candidates, what these big holes could look like. And so we trade away Jose Ramirez from the Guardians. We traded away Shane Bieber, even though it's unlikely. And all these Guardian fans are like, hey, like, relax over there. Like, stop trading our guys. And I was thinking about it. And I'm looking at their system. And I'm like, this system's loaded. Like, they've got so many arms. They've got so many middle infielders. And I'm like, they've, they won 80 games last year with Shane Bieber out half the season. They made the playoffs three of the last five years. And they made a couple quietly solid moves. I was like, well, why not go for it, actually? So I wrote this piece kind of just on the other side saying, you've got Jose Ramirez under control for two more years. You've got Shane Bieber under control for three more years. You could go for it now and try to get some, some bats. They need outfield help big time. And that's the only thing is this is a team that could end up in a, like a bidding war for them with, like, with the Marlins because they've got a ton of arms as well. Uh, they've only got one guy that really stacks up with, with Meyer and Yuri Perez. That's Daniel Espino. And I think he's untouchable, but they've got a lot of really solid arms as well. Like Xavier Curry um, and, and Tobias Myers is a guy like Peyton Battenfield. Like they've got a bunch of interesting arms. I think that they, they might end up going to make some moves and getting some bats. And so that's why I was looking at them. I'm like, this is a very similar situation to the Marlins. They have a strong rotation. I'd obviously take the Marlins rotation, but they've got a strong rotation led by a top three pitcher in baseball. And They've got an elite bullpen. That's the difference. So I think it kind of evens out. They just need to go get a couple bats and they've got a three-year window, two to three-year window. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. I'm curious what they're going to do. Clearly the Marlins have been more aggressive, uh, but that was a fun piece to write. Um, and I'll be doing something similar again with the Marlins soon uh, with kind of just, this is what they did. You know, here, here are some options. And then I'm sure people will yell at me, uh, but that's, that's the fun of it, right? <laughs> It's all about the feedback. All the feedback <laughs> is good feedback, right? I guess it's the same somewhere. But all right. Well, before we finish and wrap up, I realized I'm way out of I'm way out of kilter with the schedule here. So we better get into another US ad with a British twist. And this is this is one that I know you know. Bet Online AG. Those oh the OG is back and Bet Online AG are here. And Bet Online has you covered all season. More props, odds, lines than ever before. As football season continues the march of the playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. 
head to the new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on. It's all one word locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Woo! How about those Bet Online AG crew, eh? You got your- that one I could probably memorize. I could probably regurgitate that one. That I one in the you could. I was going to say, listen, this, I'm going to throw it over to you and see what you can do. But um, <laughs> yeah. you, you would have been, I know you would have been very close to going word for word on that one for sure. <laughs> they changed it up a little bit though. Uh, definitely a little bit though. And um, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to the full Mish episode. Did Mish try to do the, uh, the old Garrett Cooper, uh, the Garrett Cooper prop up again? Um, oh, where he's like, he- he, he listen for Coop. He said, "Listen, put Coop in DH. Don't mess. No outfield Cooper loop ever again. Yes, put him in DH. If he has to spot at first base, okay. But DH yeah. Coop, the health will fix itself. The production is there. That was no. I'm paraphrasing it, but that's effectively <laughs> where he was going, right? I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah. And look, honestly, though, I agree with Mitch wholeheartedly on this one. Like. Yeah. We take for granted how freaking good at hitting Garrett Cooper is. Uh, he's just not available ever. Uh, but 134 WRC plus, which means you know, he's 34% above league average over his last 105 games. And over the second half of the season until he got hurt was one of the best hitters in baseball. Like not even kidding. I yeah. queried the stats from like date to date from when he got hurt. And he was among the best hitters in baseball in OPS, uh, WRC plus production, like every extra, extra base hits, everything. So when we know when he's healthy, that is a major boost to your lineup. I mean, he's almost never not hit, even dating back to his 13-game stint with the Yankees at the big leagues. Like, the guy is always hit. So I'm hoping with the NLDH, uh, that's got to be the one way he stays healthy, right? But that's somebody that, like, I think we keep forgetting. You throw him into the lineup with another bat that you're going to get. Like, the Marlins stand to uh, benefit from the DH, I think, as much as any team in the NL because of how much – that instantly internally helps their lineup, right? Like most teams are like, okay, yeah, now there's a DH. Who are we putting there? Uh, who are we going to get? Um, and there's some teams that have that guy waiting for them. Uh, but a lot of other teams, I think, are going to try positionless. I could see the Cardinals kind of doing that with like Lars Newbar or Juan Yepes or some of those types of guys. The Marlins have an established big league bat just waiting uh, and just waiting for that kind of opportunity. That would be such a big boost to the Marlins. Um, NLDH is, is is a could be one of the best offseason acquisitions for the Marlins. Is just the universal DH, uh, oh, no. and that's not even an, an exaggeration. No, completely with you. I, they thought it was coming last year, I think, with the you know the way that things played out with Aguilar and whatever. But, absolutely, you know, absolutely great. That point. was pretty clear. The funny thing is, you mentioned that just reminded me of. This is what was so infuriating about the Marlins in 2021 because there were stretches all throughout the whole season where one dude at that moment in time was the best hitter in baseball. We had the coop, <laughs> yeah. we had the coop spell. We had Aguilar early in the year, particularly on the road. Aggie was just going bananas on the road in the eighth or ninth inning. Cooper Loop had that spell. Jazz was having that spell. And then, of course, there was Bryn Sanity kind of sandwiched in the middle of all of that, too, where he was the hardest hitter in baseball for two weeks. Like, 
This Duval was, even so had infuriated. It was just Duval. like they just couldn't put it together for a sustained yeah. period. It's so funny. It's so true. Duvall even had a stretch like that. I mean, like Dylan Cruz when he first came over, like, hey, who's this guy? I, but it was like they all tried to stagger themselves. It's a great point. Like they could never do it at the same time. No. And they say hitting's contagious. It didn't seem like it was the case with the Marlins. It was the opposite. It was like one person was hoarding the virus. It was crazy. Uh, but, you know, I, I wonder that, that's sometimes just like the way it is. Right. It's just like weird timing and things don't line up. And, and that's why you look at the overall offensive statistics, not great, uh, but you would think they were even worse. Like you'd think the Marlins were far and away the worst offensive team and it wasn't that bad. Yeah. 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 I mean, there was the production of catcher was a real problem, particularly at the back end of the year. I mean, that's when Alfaro was playing left field, but you know, those were the dark days of, of August and September, but um, just a couple of final ones, Lewis Brinson, his Marlins tenure has now ended. Um, you know, it wasn't, he came in with the hype was the big name as part of that, that Yelich deal. And for me, Brince was stunning with the media, never hid away from anything. That is one thing I must say about him. Top dude, but it just never worked out. What do you see in the future for Lewis Brinson now, kind of beyond the Marlins? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I watched, so I went to a Marlins Mets game because that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back and forth from New York and Florida now with, with just baseball uh, where we're kind of HQ'd with an office out in New York and, and I'm back and forth from there. And uh, towards the end of the season, we went to the Marlins Mets game and, and Brinson hit a nuke. I mean, the thing just went and I'm sitting there. It was one of the last games of the season. I'm like, that's going to be Lewis Brinson's last home run as a Marlin. And, you know, I'm like, like it shouldn't be that heavy, but it was just, it, it kind of set in of just like, man, this all did not play out the way any of us thought it would be. Yeah. I, I thought it would. I can't imagine how he feels. Um, and, and that's the thing that, you know, was, was hard, you know, as a fan, I, I, I understand how fans, you know, are, are frustrated. And especially when you see what Yelich is doing and the last thing I'll say on, on Brinson. And of course, like if he has a click for him elsewhere, I think everybody should be hoping for that because it means a lot more to him than it does for us uh, about him doing well. He, it wasn't for a matter of effort. It wasn't for a matter of caring. It was just for a matter of just not being able to put it together. And you know what? Hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports. And I think there was a lot of pressure mounting on him. And you hit the nail on the head. The guy never made excuses. He never complained. He never fired back at the media or let frustration get to him. And I think that's part of the reason why the Marlins were willing to hold on to him forever because he is a good guy for the clubhouse. I think at the very least here, you still have a really solid fourth outfielder right like I think we keep we kind of look at him as as not not a big leaguer because of we relate it to what we thought he should be but the reality is with what he gives you defensively and at least has been able to be competitive for the most part at the plate like that's a fourth outfielder he's going to get every opportunity elsewhere every team is going to line up one to hope that he can he can put it together because his tools are otherworldly but even if he can't fully put it together that is a very solid fourth outfielder uh, that will stick around in the big leagues for a while uh but yeah i mean I, I definitely feel for brinson i can't imagine what it was like for him going through all that and you know i hope he lands on his feet elsewhere and maybe a change of scenery is is what he needs uh but that was someone that didn't infuriate me to watch as much as like an isan diaz uh is all i'll say on that side of things well, let's move on from that uh, topic very quickly, I think, uh, before before you go off. But I must say, the other thing to call out, the, the title of this episode is now 100% going to be otherworldly. That that phrase, that, that 
That word has been used at least four times, which is perfect. Sums up the, the title of this, this episode. But a couple of other uh, questions in on Twitter. So let's rattle through these just to round up. And I think they're good ones to end on, to be honest. So uh, Danny fired in and said, what are the spicy prospect for prospect deals you'd like to see happen? I think that's a really interesting one. And I guess whether that's with the Marlins hat on, yes, we can play that game. But if there's something else out there you want to touch on, feel free to shoot. But spicy prospect for prospect deals you'd like. Ooh, that's a good one, man. Oh, so one prospect, and it'll probably never happen uh, because the D-backs clearly are just kind of in that in that mode where I think they want to have everybody called up and, and everybody be, you know, building towards the future. But I'm a, a huge fan of Alec Thomas mm. over with the D-backs. Guy can play center field, incredible athlete, such a good hitter, gamer, nice left-handed swing. That's somebody that if you could trade a pitcher for him and do the run it back with the prospect for prospect deal, mm. essentially, I know Gallon was in the big leagues, but it basically was that for Jazz. I would love that. Yeah. Alec Thomas ready, could. Is he ready, Alec Thomas? Yeah, ready to go. Yeah. Like ready to go. Mashed in AAA. I love his approach. Doesn't strike out. Is the athlete guy. Walks a lot. That's somebody that I'm like, sign me up prospect wise. I'm willing to take that chance. I know we said proven guy. That's somebody I'm willing to take that chance on because I love what he's got going on and he can, he can slot right in there. Probably unlikely that they ever uh, make that deal. The D-backs given that I think he's a big part of their future, but man, what would I, would I love to see that? That's probably my number one uh, prospect for prospect deal that I, I would like to see uh, the Marlins make there. Love it. I guess it kind of syncs with Cattell, maybe moving back to second base, right? You know, get, get Alec Thomas in there and let him, exactly. let him control the outfield. It makes sense, but I'm not sure where they are more generally organization wise, like whether their window is at all opening. I don't think it is. So yeah. Yeah. Then they go out and sign a closer. Who did they sign? They go out. Mark Melanson to a two year deal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like that's going to put you over the top. There you go. And I was looking at that deal. I'm like, Marlins, like, why not do that one? (laughs) Like two years, 14 million for Mark Melanson. Sure. But I, I can understand their skepticism with the way the last multi-year reliever deal went. Um, and it was still going. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, Melanson's a little bit more proven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to spend some time really digging into the reliever market, you know, maybe next week or the week after. I really just got to get my head around and work out who's available, who's not. It's you know, deep. It, yeah. Also, there's a lot of names. It's going to be a three-parter. I can already see it. <laughs> Love it. We're going to get into that because, yeah, center field was a lot of fun. But And it's not until you really deep dive in some of these positions that you're like, oh, yeah, they're available or that could be something we could go and get. And whether they throw money at the reliever position, I'm not convinced. I, I see them maybe thinking more trade action again, perhaps on, on the reliever action. But we'll see. I don't know if there was a trade target you'd have. Where would you, you know, if you're looking, you know, eighth, ninth inning type of guy, where would you kind of be looking if you were the Marlins trade-wise? Yeah, you know, it's really tough with with the relievers because I'm I'm generally a believer, and, and I know the Marlins, you're right. Like the Marlins like to go trade for relievers. I'm not a big trade for reliever guy because personally, I, I just think it's such a volatile position. Uh, we've seen it on the other end of like the Marlins not trading Drew Steckenrider at the right time, and they could have you know sold really high on a guy that had like a zero ERA for for a crazy stretch. Like we've seen it time and time again. I'm sure you could rattle off other other relievers that we thought were this can't miss guy and then slow down a little bit. But I do like the stable of arms that 
There's a couple arms I like with the Orioles. I like Solcer a lot. Cole Solcer's really good swing and miss guy. They need a swing and miss guy. Enough of the the ground ball oh, relievers. Ground ballers, I know. What what is that? That like that's it, it's like they're looking for Brian Moeller types for for their back end of their bullpen. Like that that's not what you want. It, in today's game, you need swing and miss guys, guys that can get out of jams. I'm okay with one or two of the of the Dylan Floros. They give you a good floor, but you need you need swing and miss guys. Cole Solcer is a guy I really really like over. Uh, and, and you know what is Baltimore going to do with relievers at this point? That's a team that you should be going, you kind of handpicking a few relievers and seeing what you can get for them. Uh, Paul Fry, the numbers aren't that pretty, a six ERA, but he had a three point nine three FIP, which is you know fielding independent pitching, which kind of it's more indicative of what he's able to do. Ridiculous swing and miss stuff that I think the Marlins could kind of help him put it together. You could get him on the cheap as well. It comes with some control, but if you could get Solcer or Paul Fry, I like both of those guys from the Orioles. That makes a ton of sense. Hell, if you're trading for Cedric, try and get him to throw in Solcer. Uh, that, that's what I would want to see. And that would be, that would be fantastic if they could do that. I mean, there's obviously the connections, the Orioles and Marlins have made what two deals in the last two years, VR and big Dick Blyer, obviously as well came in from, <laughs> from the Orioles. So the conversations are up. I mean, ALNL is normally a good fit too. You know, Orioles need pitching, clearly longer-term options. There's some, it's just a real obvious fit for the Marlins. You know, they're, they're really obvious trade partners right now, I think. So absolutely, get in get in your high-leverage guy too, plus Marlins. Plug a few holes, no doubt. So 100%. We'll see. We'll see. All right, so the final, I think the final one, I may have missed one or two, but we are way over time. But, you know, we had to roll with it was, I guess, just broadly expectations for the Marlins in 22. Let's assume it's a 162. Let's assume we've got the DH. We know what we know now. It's probably hard to answer that because going back right to the top of the show, feels like we're 50% done. There's still moves. The Marlins are already saying we're not done. So we know there's more to come. So it's hard to answer. But what are the expectations now, you know, five years into this rebuild? Yeah. 22. Well, I think you can see the urgency from the Marlins, right? They, they know that this is kind of the year where I'm not saying they need to make the playoffs, but they need to show that they're heading well into the right direction. I think they learned a lot from last year. I think they learned a lot from their mistakes from last year and a lot of the things that you know they, they came up short with, right? Like they didn't have the rotation uh, as deep as it needed to be. They didn't have a lot of the the depth that they needed positionally. They didn't go after the right bullpen arms. They didn't, they underestimated, I think, how much they needed in the bullpen. And I don't think they handled a lot of the, the prospect situations right. Like they learned a lot from a very bad year. Will they will they show that they learned it? Will they apply it next year? We'll see. But I think they're already kind of showing that they realized that a little bit. And I think 2021 uh, necessary might not be the right word, but it was an important step. Uh, to, to, I think, lead into a bigger 2022. The mm -hmm. starting pitching is going to be better, right? It's healthy. And if it's not healthy, it's deeper. And now they know that they can, they need more than just the bare minimum of arms, no matter how good they are. I don't expect them to roll in with, with a weaker bullpen like they had. We know the offense is going to be better. A lot of the prospects are going to be closer to big league ready. I think to say that this team is going to be better is very obvious. I think they're going to be very competitive. I, I really think they are. I thought they were going to perform a little bit better last year. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs, but I think that they are really going to kind of put it together this year, especially if there's the DH. I just think you look at the team top to bottom, what department are they not improving in? I mean, if they don't address the bullpen, then, then we'll talk about it. Yeah. But we, we're assuming they're going to do all of that. 50% done, like you said. Where did they not improve? 
Rotation is, is objectively just better as guys continue to improve and it's deeper. Lineup, objectively better. Bullpen should be better. Uh, I don't really see, and the most important thing, catching, way better. And that was the worst position in baseball for them. I mean, they had the worst offensive production and worst defense from the catching spot, which is the captain of the infield. Like, objectively, I think they're going to be a lot better, a lot more watchable, enjoyable. And I think that they can fort with 500 and play some meaningful games down the stretch if they make the right moves, you know, give or take five games. Now you're, you're in the playoff on. So I think they're going to flirt with 500 and be right around there. There you go. And I think the other thing that we shouldn't forget is probably at the back end of this deal, there's going to be expanded postseason. I'm, I'm exactly convinced there will be an expanded postseason, whether it's as expanded as it was in the COVID year. Absolutely. That's up for debate. Absolutely. But there's, there's going to be, there's going to be that expanded postseason 500 ball there or thereabouts you're not going to be selling at the deadline effectively, right? You know, you're still going to be in exactly. the hunt with this, um, with this expanded postseason. So wait and see. I think that's a good place for us to, to round up today. I've no idea on the runtime of this episode. And frankly, I do not care. It's been sensational. So, yeah. Um, well, so go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was going to thank you. Thank you. For oh, no. On. I was going to say, man, like the, the old trick uh, from, from the guy that had to squeeze out some episodes sometimes. Two part the long interviews. You Sometimes go. you split them up into two. You got two episodes. Boom. Uh, I, I generally didn't like to do that. I usually like to keep them in one, um, but I know that you like to keep them to a certain length. And I don't want to drag it down anymore. But thank you so much for having me on, man. Uh, it's so cool to be back here. Again, cannot give you enough thumbs up for what you're doing here. And uh, I hope to be invited back soon. Uh, you are doing an otherworldly job here on this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely love that phrase appreciate you coming on appreciate the insight the conversation and we we actually discovered this when we started the call we're like we've been speaking on twitter for years what literally yeah. years we're like holy shit we've never actually spoken before which is why no. so you know we've ticked no. that off as well so that's yeah well great to meet you we got to do it again soon all right man and uh, keep it up there you go all right well that's aaron Layden, the og goat of lockdown and me, Peter Pratt, signing out for today.